Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Curious Relationships. As always, I'm your host, Megan Holmgren, and today we are joined by licensed marriage and family therapist, Margaret Doherty. Hi. Hello. Along with Dr. Maria Carney, a geriatric and palliative care physician. Uh, She's also the chief of geriatrics and palliative medicine for Northwell Health. Welcome, ladies, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay, we're going to get right into it today. Um, With that, you guys can both turn over your pages. My mom just told me if she ever gets diagnosed with cancer, she will not be seeking treatment. How do I respond to this? I, 21 female, was talking to my mom about acne medication, of all things, and she, 60, just casually dropped that she never plans to visit a doctor regularly, get screened for anything, or seek any kind of treatment or surgery if she is eventually diagnosed. Her reasoning is that watching her mother go through that was the worst thing she had ever seen, and she will never go through that herself. Even though I can understand the reasoning, this was extremely upsetting to me since there is a history of both breast cancer and ovarian cancer in our family. And what she said essentially sounded to me like she'll be dead in the next 10 years, given that she does not plan to go to the doctor for anything less than a medical emergency. My parents are already a bit older than most people's my age, and hearing this made me feel like my mother could just drop dead at any moment and has absolutely no motivation to do anything about it. How do I respond to this? It feels selfish to tell her that she should go get screened, go to checkups, just for my sake, as she's never regularly held a GP and just doesn't generally go to the doctor. She's not anti-medicine, by the way. I've been vaccinated. It's nothing like that. At the same time, I already felt like my time with my parents was limited due to their age, and this has left me very upset and feeling a bit lost. Any advice? Should I argue or just learn to accept this? Please let me know if there's a better page to post this in. TLDR, my mom has told me that she has no plans to be screened for cancer or seek treatment if she is ever diagnosed because she watched her mother go through the process. How do I respond to this? Do I try to change her mind? So my, as a physician, uh, I'm an internist, geriatrician, palliative medicine doctor. I take care of a lot of older adults mm-hmm. um, who have clear views and thoughts about their own health care. And it's usually based on their past experiences. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like this patient, this individual who's asking the question is nervous, is going mm-hmm. to be a caregiver, and may not really understand her mother's health. So I would first suggest she try to explore why her mother, what she witnessed with her own mother mm-hmm. or parents, what caused what she didn't like about it, what was good about the experience, and then clarify so that she, the individual asking the question, can act and advocate for her in the best way. Mm-hmm. That's where I would start. Explore what was positive, what was negative, and what she would want for herself. Yeah, I think that in death death and grief, a lot of times you remember the negative when Mm -hmm. somebody is sick. Um, It takes a very long time to remember what they were like before they were sick, um, what they looked like before they were sick. So it definitely seems like her mother has some trauma around that type of situation. We also don't know what kind of situation it was, how long it was, what kind of care they got. Did they even have hospice care? Mm -hmm. Like all of those questions. Um, And I think it's hard especially, you know, her mom's 60 and she's saying she'd never go for treatment. 
when you're sitting in a doctor's office and you get that diagnosis and you see your family's reactions, your face with it, it very much can change. I know that my mm-hmm. father was like that. He's gonna. He was like, leave me alone. And then it happened and he was like, why don't we try something? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, let's see. And I think that that happens too. When the moment happens, things can very much change. And that's something I was going to ask actually both of you is um, it almost seems like maybe the sort of trauma to your point of her grandmother passing is still a little bit fresh and maybe unprocessed with her mother Um, and definitely I can understand that knee jerk like I'm never going through that that looked like absolute hell Um, but is it a little bit premature to make a kind of snap decision like that about your long-term health and you know that's not to say she can't change her opinion but like should it be I don't want to go through that if I'm facing that kind of battle but if I go to if I end up noticing something and going to get screened it doesn't seem like she's going to do regular screening and it's early stage or extremely treatable and my prognosis could be good if I just did you know whatever course of, of treatment would be is that the time when you kind of get the full assessment of where you're at is that the time to say I, I want care I don't want care is this a little bit premature I think she's making a a decision prematurely. That word may be uh, appropriate. I think the person asking this question should really first understand how is her mother's health now? Mm -hmm. What is she dealing with? What has she dealt with in the past personally? Because she may not be fully aware what her mother's dealing with. Maybe there's something that Mm -hmm. has been discussed with her that the do- this daughter doesn't know isn't, about. doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. So maybe just ask. And and I would. There's a word. There's a feeling that the in the mother here is frightened of the healthcare system, or not mm-hmm. trustworthy, or scared. You know, and where the daughter can have a role to make sure she's not abandoned by the healthcare system mm-hmm. and that she advocates for her. So I would I would say it may not it may seem premature, mm-hmm. but maybe it's not. We don't know the whole full picture of what the mother why she's bringing this up now. So do you think maybe a good first step here and um, maybe not just for her but for people who might find themselves in a similar situation with a, a parent or loved one that's saying not for me, right? right. Like just leave me be. Um, would a, gir- a good first step, because she's asking, should I try to change her mind? Should I accept this? Would a good first step be, can you explain this to me? Why are you, like, beyond grandma's illness, because I'm sure that was not just a trauma for her mother, but a trauma for the whole family. Beyond that, what's the motivation here? Or how can she kind of approach that conversation? I think asking like what mom's fear is Mm -hmm. and then if it's you know grandma went through so much and she was in so much pain maybe looking at but did it prolong her life anyway positively right like did Mm -hmm. she have 
extra months that she was around or even years that you look back now and go, oh, how did she, had she not done treatment, she wouldn't have been here. Yeah. I also don't think it's selfish of the 21-year-old girl to have this conversation and be like, mom, I'm 21. Like, I want to yeah. maybe get married, have a career, have kids possibly. Like, yep. I want you here, right? Like, coming from it, not so yeah. much of just, I want you to get chemo if you get cancer, right? It's, Mom, I want you around as long as possible Mm -hmm. to experience life with me. Yeah. That's one of the things that I had kind of jotted down after I, you know, found this and read it and started doing a bit more research and sitting with it, is that she's 21. Like, that's so young. And, you know, assuming we don't know if there's any kind of background uh, medical history with mom that we're not aware of or she's not aware of. So assuming that it's, you know, kind of a clean slate aside from family history of the breast and ovarian cancer, you're even if mom is 60, you're telling your 21-year-old, like, well, get used to the idea of not having me around. That's That feels like a harsh statement. Is I, that, is I, that I, fair? I feel her pain. Mm-hmm. She's scared too. <laughs> They're both frightened. Yeah. The, the mother's frightened of what she may be approaching and the daughter is frightened what she may miss Mm -hmm. and lose and I don't think mom is thinking about it in that way yeah mom I just is so stuck in her fear and anxiety of what it would be like to get treatment Mm -hmm. I mean I very much identify this is like exact ages of my father and I and I was a little older when he got sick but like he was always like you know no my bags are packed I'm good right but when it happens and you sit and you talk and you say like let's see what the options are try and then if you try and you're super sick and it's not helping your quality of life then we can reassess right like I feel like mom thinks she has to make every treatment option the second she's diagnosed and like it doesn't go like that at all Mm -hmm. I also see with my patients, they want to have some control mm-hmm. in a situation where they, they're losing control. Yeah. So this is often a way for individuals to say, I'm going to control this really difficult situation mm-hmm. or what I see will be my future, and I want to have control. So we try to say, okay, break it down. What were, What was the... What was so horrible about what you witnessed and experienced so that we as a healthcare team and your family can help navigate and advocate to avoid? Yeah. So break it down, find out what it was, give the individual control mm-hmm. so that they're not just a bystander in a really difficult point. And it sounds like everyone's pre-grieving, right? Yeah. Like, we're yeah. not even there yet. Nobody is saying anyone has cancer. We're, and they're already like, well, when this happens, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah. And that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of anxiety. Nothing's happening yet. Right. And what may have been the situation for that healthcare, uh, the cancer diagnosis the grandmother had, we're in a completely different world yeah. with Absolutely. diagnosis, treatments, yeah. prognoses. So um, things have changed. Yeah. It's funny you say pre-grieving because that's actually one of the things that I wanted to bring up is, you know, what she she alludes to, and I think she's, she's pretty articulate um, in kind of the emotions that she's maybe running through or, or at least nodding to them. Um, but what would this bring up aside from, you know, that pre-grief um, I'm, I'm going to guess, and again, it, you know, we, the, the kind of 
catch 22 of these is that we we don't we only have what's written and we don't don't have more kind of backup information but i'm going to guess you know she probably also is left with a little bit of emotion and grief and trauma from grandma and so now that's difficult in its own right and now she's having to imagine her mother facing a similar diagnosis or treatment path um, and process that and at the same time process the the thought that I don't we're not even going to stand a fighting chance of keeping mom around because she doesn't want it you know she doesn't want this treatment so that's got to be tough I guess Margaret I wanted to ask you like how if you had someone come in and unload this on you mm-hmm. how would you counsel her it definitely would it? probably be anxiety based right mm-hmm. I would assume that the client would be coming in very anxious about something that hasn't happened yet mm-hmm. so we would look at that we would look at the history of anxiety how she copes and those types of things it might also be part acceptance right mm-hmm. like knowing that the day may come and mom might say I don't want any treatment yeah How can we accept that? And that doesn't mean we like it, right? Like acceptance, people think that we have to agree with it and we like it. No, it's just kind of like that is what it is, unfortunately, right? Like we cannot change somebody's mind. If this is the road that mom wants to go down, if and when that day happens, there isn't going to be anything she can do to change her mind. She can have open conversations. But if mom decides this is what I want, it is going to be that acceptance. And that's going to be very hard. And then looking at... If that happens and mom doesn't want treatment, right, how can you make the best time that you have with her? Mm -hmm. If she's not bogged down with doctor's appointments and side effects by her choice, can you go and do things? Can you go and live life together in a way that you wouldn't if mom died suddenly, right? Like had a massive heart attack and died. Mm -hmm. How can you see some of the positive Mm -hmm. while grieving the fact that you will lose your mom? Yeah. Which I think is, I mean, it's an inevitability anyway. Everyone's yes. going to lose If life cycle goes the way it's supposed to. Right. Yes. And we haven't found any major technology, technological breakthroughs to indefinitely prolong life. Um, but I think it's, that's probably not something you normally would think about at 21 is, oh, my parents, you know, my mom's going to die. It's more right. common than you think. But is it? Is it more common if your parent's not actively facing a diagnosis like Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Especially she's 21 and her mom is 60. I guess, yeah. Right? You you start to see your parents' age. Mm -hmm. Not like it's almost like you one day look at them and you go, oh, they're a little slower. Or, oh, they have to go for these tests because they've hit this age. Mm -hmm. And if they are close with their parents and they have a good bond and a lot that struggle with anxiety, have these fears and they could be ongoing and they might not tell anyone so it can very much impact you if you are afraid of your parents dying some people accept that way earlier in life but Mm -hmm. i mean maybe the mother's trying to prepare her yeah i think mom might also be trying to protect her too right like i went through that and mom's saying i don't want to go through that again but she may also be saying i don't want to put you through that yeah right i'm traumatized I don't want to traumatize you by you having to then take care of me. Yeah, or watch me decline like that um, and go through such a difficult process. Yeah. If this was my patient, the mother, coming Mm -hmm. in, I would recommend that she explain a little bit more clearly Mm -hmm. her thoughts. But I would also say choose a healthcare proxy who's going to help advocate for you and your wishes when you face this. Mm -hmm. If your daughter, 
who wrote the question, is able to advocate for you and be your proxy when you're unable to make decisions, great. Then talk to her. Tell her what you want. And if she's not able to follow your wishes, then you have to choose somebody else to be there at the time to tell the healthcare team what you would want or not want. So that is what I I think is so important. Anybody, healthy, not healthy, should start thinking, document who is their healthcare proxy Mm -hmm. just to advocate for your wishes. I guess, yeah, I mean, and I, I, that's a really good point. I I don't even think I thought about that in this context specifically because, say, her daughter can't get to a place of acceptance and then, you know, something happens to dad or whatever and she's kind of the default next of kin to be that person. What is she going to do what mom wants then or is she going to do what she wants if mom's at such a a point of incapacitation that she can't express it for herself? Um, In. In the world, you're supposed to do what the individual Wants. who you are the proxy for would want mm-hmm. if they could make that decision. Yeah. It can be a very difficult emotionally. Absolutely. To do yeah. for a, a proxy. Yeah. But that, the more conversations she has and hears what she would want or not want, it helps. I was healthcare proxy for my parents, and yes, I'm in medicine, mm-hmm. but I remember one discussion with my father who, you know, it was years ago. He loved tennis. He was very active, physical, and he said, when I can't play tennis, I want you to just make me as comfortable as possible. And it was, and he died older, mm-hmm. but when he became functionally declined, and cognitively declined. I remember that discussion with him, and it just yeah. gave it me, it stuck with me to yeah. help me make decisions. So simple guidance helps. Yeah. I mean, and, and to that end, it, again, it didn't even register, but like I've already had that conversation with my mom at least, and I'm, I'm in my mid 30s, but she had to have, um, you know, a fairly routine outpatient surgeon, surgery recently, and she had to go under general anesthesia for it, and she was like, I, you are my healthcare proxy. These are my wishes. Should things, you know, not go the way they're supposed to, and I guess I didn't. It didn't even occur to me because that's more of like a routine. And I was like, okay, yeah, mom, I know what you, we've talked about it, but like, I know you like. But it, it it is the same kind of thing. You should be having these conversations. They shouldn't be. I mean, it might be a little bit jarring at this age, and kind of presumably with the the recent memory of grandma passing, and it just makes it maybe a little bit heavier to deal with but I didn't even that didn't even occur to me that this should be maybe something that's a little bit more normal maybe the delivery was not the best and but and I will say a healthcare proxy whether it's formal on a piece mm-hmm. of paper or you're the decision maker is not always just for end of life mm-hmm. it's for oh, yeah advocating for the right procedure that she, you know, or where do you go from the hospital? Can you go right home or should you go to rehab? Mm-hmm. Um, or, at, you know, making decisions. If you have more pain medicine, you may not be able to think as clearly, mm-hmm. but nope, my mom doesn't want pain. So just give the pain medicine, yeah. you know. So if there's a lot of... Uh, Decisions beyond just end of life yep. that a healthcare proxy gets pulled into. And I think the more discussions you have, mm-hmm. it helps the person and relieves burden that they may feel. Yeah. And I also think she's trying to figure out 
if and when this happens, what am I going to be like? What do I want to do? How am I going to handle this? How am I going to cope, right? And you almost think, okay, if I prepare myself, if I tell myself my mom's going to die of cancer, this is what it's going to feel like, this is when it's, I'll be prepared for it Mm -hmm. when it happens. A lot of people do that in a lot of situations. If I ruminate over it, and figure out all the options of how I'm going to feel when it happens. I'm going to be prepared, and it won't hurt as much. I can map out every possibility. Right. Yeah. And as a therapist and someone who's gone through it, yeah, no. you have. There's no way to know Can't predict. how you're going to react. You know, you could get that adrenaline and go into caretaker mode and go boom, 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 and do everything you need to. And when it's all said and done, go, what the heck did I just do? Right? <laughs> like, you, yeah. you don't know how you're going to react, and it's— Waiting till you get there. Yeah. Um, so I, I do sort of, it seems like maybe the path is to kind of accept it, have a bit more of an open and honest conversation with mom. But say she decides for whatever reason, this this poster, to say, no, I, I want to at least try to like give my mom a fuller picture or sway her opinion, maybe not change her mind totally. Mm-hmm. Um a, is that healthy to do? And B, if if it is, um, you know, good intentioned and just wanting to have more time with mom or, or get a better picture of where her health stands right now so that they can understand, like, barring any crazy curveballs, we have a couple of years of, like, smooth sailing. And this doesn't even need to be a thing we need to, like, actively worry about. Um what are some ways she can do that? Like, you know, if, if breast and ovarian cancer run in her family, is it saying, well... I'm also scared of what the future might look like for my own personal health because of this. What if we go get screened together? Like, what if we make this something we're doing together? You know, whatever we find, like, we don't have to agree to action on any of it, but mm-hmm. let's just see where we stand. Is that something that would be a good approach? I think it definitely could be tried. I Mm -hmm. think that if she's going to have a conversation with her mom to come from where she is and how she feels versus going against mom, Mm -hmm. right? If you criticize what mom's decision is, mom's going to become defensive. The conversation's not going to go in a very pleasant way, probably. Stay with what you're feeling, what your fears are. Is there a way we can negotiate, right? And maybe mm-hmm. that is. Let's go get screened together. And, like, if everything's good, then we don't talk about it for a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. If something is wrong, you know, and God forbid it was the daughter and not the mother, like, that would also probably be a whole different ball game, right? Like, yeah. I don't think mom would say to her 21-year-old, like, oh, treatment's going to be so hard. Don't do it. Right. right. Mom would jump in and probably be like, where are we going? Where's mm-hmm. the best doctor? How do we handle this? Yeah. Maybe, and maybe that is a, a good sort of, maybe it's not entirely emotionally fair, but to turn around and say, like, how would it make you feel if at 21 I said that? Mm-hmm. that I'm not ever going to get screened and I wouldn't want to pursue treatment. I wonder if the answer would be I would respect that or if it would be, well, that's silly. You've got your whole life and I'm 60 and so it's different. But then is it really? Yeah. I thought that was really great advice. Don't insult mm-hmm. the mother. Work, respect it, validate her mm-hmm. views and say, but I, you're, you're healthy. You're active I want you in my life longer. I think that's really great advice to take it from a a positive, not a negative. Yeah, it turns something that's maybe a very negative conversation on its head a little bit. Um, And I will say that, yes, definitely try to promote longevity (laughs) and try to access care and good care and uh, definitely try. There's no reason not to. 
and making sure that um, you can help each other. Yeah. Sounds like she needs a provider she can trust. Yeah. Right. Like, like in therapy, right? Like sometimes clients come in one, two times, they don't come back. I wasn't the right fit. Mm -hmm. That's totally okay. Right. Right. Like I'm not the best fit for everyone. And I think that that's also with doctors. You need somebody that you click with, that you feel heard and understood and that they know what they're doing or you feel like they know what they're doing. Right. And it also plays, this is an example of the caregiver is a very important role Mm -hmm. in healthcare, the family caregiver. Mm -hmm. The mother clearly was involved with her mother's life and health and was negatively impacted by it. Yeah. So as a healthcare provider, healthcare teams, we have to focus on the care, the family caregiver mm-hmm. and make sure they're heard, they're helped, and the trauma is minimized yeah. here. Because this not only impacts the patient yeah it's impacting generations here yeah so we really have to put the care family caregiver into the team patient family caregiver healthcare team that mm-hmm. the the dyad of the patient and caregiver family caregiver we need to recognize more readily yeah um i just sort of want to get into maybe some of the statistics how often is it um, that patients say when they get a diagnosis decline care of cancer specifically? Is it something you've seen frequently or? Um, In my patient population, which tend to be older adults who have lived a life of managing other chronic illnesses um, Mm. are frightened of the diagnosis, and the treatments. Mm -hmm. At the very least, they're frightened. Um, Do they start off declining? Not necessarily starting off, but Mm -hmm. I see um, it's not uncommon through a course of an illness, at some point, they say, stop. Yeah. And uh, they may say it in different ways. They may say, I'm stopping chemo, I'm stopping my therapy, um, they may just not show up, right? Mm-hmm. They may uh, tell family members who have to say it. So we have to listen mm-hmm. to them. Why? Are they in pain? Are they not tolerating the treatments? Um, you know, what are the contributing factors? And we have to respect it. Mm-hmm. Um, my patient population, the generation that I take care of, aren't... Um, they uh, they listen very well, right? <laughs> they they follow instructions. Yeah. The greatest generation, right? The World War II vets. They um they it's not easy for them to say no. But yeah. as I see younger baby boomers now getting older, um, they're they're more vocal about what they want or don't want, mm-hmm. um, and they'll advocate a little bit better. And mm-hmm. their children are advocating and yeah. saying no more or you know it's it's not just saying no yeah. they're also seeking out other care and treatment alternative treatments um, to get what they think will help them best yeah. so i think as healthcare team members we need to listen mm-hmm. what are we hearing what do they want how can we help them uh, 
better because we're having a more educated healthcare uh, patient and fam- and family members. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also curious because uh, I feel like you know this prompt is very specific to cancer. Um, a lot of people deal with cancer. Not to, not to say that that's not. Uh, something that will come up for a majority of families or, you know, at least a good number of families. But what maybe are some other um, conditions and diagnoses that might come up that someone might say, I don't I don't want any kind of like, I'm okay, I've got my diagnosis and that's it. And I'm going to just ride out my days. And is it the same sort of process uh, for families to hear that, come to grips with it, accept it? Um, okay. Or is there kind of a difference between different diseases. So there are, if if it's okay for me, I, I didn't know. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Um, I see um, cardiac issues, mm-hmm. kidney issues, and cancer. Um, similarly, the uh, patient's face when they have uh, heart disease, congestive heart failure, um, arrhythmias, they have to decide, do I get a defibrillator? Do mm-hmm. I get a pacemaker? Um, do I go on a transplant list? Mm-hmm. Healthcare has really gotten more complicated. In kidneys, I see the at decision points is dialysis. Mm-hmm. Dialysis sounds simple, yeah. but once they start hearing about dialysis, it's much more complicated than people realize. Yeah. Going three days a week. It's a huge commitment. It's a huge commitment for patients, families. There are other types of dialysis, not just the hemodialysis, but it's a lot of information, a lot of decision making, uh, a huge commitment. Mm -hmm. So there, uh, so I see that. I see dementia. Mm -hmm. The the treatments are not as readily available for dementia, but um, you have to make decisions about care, where you live, um, uh, you, you get swallowing issues, you get, it's, so it, it gets very complex. Um, patients won't say no, but families need to, you have to listen to families on how to achieve the level of care they want and, mm-hmm. and what resources they have or don't have and where they can get the care. Yeah. So um, cancer is easier to predict a course mm-hmm. than you can predict for congestive heart failure. Uh, kidney disease, you can predict a little bit better, mm-hmm. but it's slower. Yeah. Um, so it's, and then you have individuals that have congestive heart failure and kidney disease yeah. and a cancer. So it becomes looking at their function. Uh, and quality of life. And I'm quality sure. of life. Yeah. From an emotional standpoint, um, and kind of family dynamics and how people interact knowing that, like, is there a difference? Or is it kind of a, if you're facing something that could end up becoming a terminal diagnosis, whether it's cancer, kidney failure, um, heart, cardiac disease, are those conversations the same? Do they look the same or similar? I think they can look the same of just like treatment options, what the person wants, what you feel, how you feel about it. you know, making sure that the person that is sick is doing what they want. Mm-hmm. 
along with having open conversations of how that makes everybody else feel, what everybody else is scared about, right? And those those conversations are really hard because if it's the person diagnosed and they know that they're going to die, it might be a lot of emotion to handle, to mm-hmm. talk with their family members about that. But I think for the family members to have those moments to say, like, I know I said everything I needed to say. Yeah. I know that I tried to get dad to do this or mom to do that. And they, mom or dad were at peace with the decision, right? That also can help the person when that person passes to know, you know, he didn't or she didn't do anything they didn't want to do and mm-hmm. they tried what they wanted. And that's something I was just about to ask you. We've talked a lot about... Um, you know, a potential hypothetical patient in the future stating their wishes to not do care, you know, not receive treatment, not receive kind of life saving care uh, or life extending care at the very least, but, and how to respond to that and maybe process that. But we've also talked a lot about the kind of family role in being a caregiver and advocate for their loved ones. So how do you broach a conversation, not even necessarily with a person's medical team, but maybe with them themselves as well, if it's if you kind of get the sense that they're doing these treatments or they're receiving this care and they're only doing it for their family members because that's what, you know, if we were to flip this prompt on its head, my daughter's only 21 and she's not married yet and I want to see my grandkids if she has them. Um so I, you know, I wouldn't have chose this for myself, but I know it would destroy her world if I were not here. So I'm going to try to do this care. How do you have that conversation if you get the sense of like someone's doing this not for themselves, but for others? I have a patient now who clearly has set a goal mm-hmm. of a grandchild graduating college next May, who that is his goal. Mm-hmm. He wants to get to his granddaughter's graduation. And so we, as a team, are fixed on that goal. Yeah. So I think establishing goals, um, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. He's come to terms with his own health and his situation, and he's at peace with it. Mm-hmm. But he wants this goal for himself, but his family, really, to try to meet that. And I, I think... It's an admirable tool to mm-hmm. have and a, a tool in terms of communicating for us to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, she's doing this treatment for her daughter because she wants to get to a wedding mm-hmm. or to see her grandchildren, future grandchildren. I think that's admirable. Mm-hmm. We should use it. We should hear it. I don't think as physicians uh, we do as good of a job of listening that or we can always improve our listening. Mm-hmm. And we should try to keep that part of our making a, a care plan. And I think if you see your parent or whoever it is struggling and they're pushing through and they're pushing through and they're declining in health, mm-hmm. you then having to have that conversation with yourself of why is this person doing this? Yeah. And then saying, like, it's okay if you stop. Like, yeah. as hard as that is for me to say that. Yeah. The way that you're suffering now is not, you're not living and it's just so horrible that if you would like to stop now, we understand that. Like you tried, it's not working. Sometimes the treatments make you so sick. Giving the permission then to the other person to say, okay, like if I say no, I'm not going to go to chemo this week. They're not going to like push me. They get it. They see that like 
this is not going to prolong my life in a way that's going to make anybody it's have like, better moments. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I'm trying to just think about uh, actually one last kind of follow up question. Say they, they table this back to the original prompt. Say they table this for now, right? And she's, you know, the poster's kind of like, I, I, I can't, I don't have bandwidth to deal with this. Like, okay, mom, that's your view. Okay. Um, which probably maybe is not the most healthy way to, to deal with it, but. No, I think it is. Like, to like you can't beat it and beat it if the yeah. person doesn't want to talk about it. And again, we're not dealing with somebody, according to this, that needs to make a decision right now. So right. I think it is okay. It's not avoiding. It's saying, Right, let's just like put this to rest for a while and like see what happens in two years. Well, and I remember what you said earlier that your father kind of mm -hmm. said things, but then as he got closer to an illness, his, oh, yeah. his view, the bar might change. Might change. He yeah. did surgery. He did chemo. Like all of a sudden, it was like oh. And I think right back to that, he did do it for us. Mm -hmm. And then when it got to the point where he like was like, I don't want to go. It's raining. I'm going to slip. We were like, all right, that's not the reason. We said to him, like, you don't have to go and you don't have to go back. Yeah. Right. And he was like, okay. So, and that's kind of the question I was, I was getting towards is, say mom now, God forbid, does end up getting a cancer diagnosis. Like, how do you re-into that conversation? Do you think, I mean, assuming mom doesn't just willingly be like, I have the diagnosis, and I've not changed my mind. Like, this is what it is. How can her daughter kind of revisit, revisit the conversation and be like, okay, where are we at with this? Just ask, can we go for consults? Mm -hmm. yeah. We will. Yeah. I would say you're going to need health care in some format. Yeah. Right? You're going to have complications, pain, mm -hmm. you know, we need to get a team involved to help us manage this with a good quality of life right. and avoid what you didn't want to face, right? Right. I will go with you. Let's talk. Let's just get information and let's see what our options are mm -hmm. to achieve the plan of care that works with you and give her control. Yeah, because maybe it's not so realistic to think that even if you don't want to be treated for this disease, that you won't still need some form of medical care. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're going to need medical care through an illness, mm -hmm. no matter what. But you have to find your team that works for you and achieves what your goals are. Have conversations, right? Like, say, yeah. like, let's ask other people if they have recommendations for an oncologist. Or, like, let's just go sit and talk. We don't have to do anything. We're not signing a contract. We're mm -hmm. just getting the information. And then we'll come home and we'll talk about it amongst ourselves, right? We don't have to make a decision while we're there. We yeah. don't have to make another appointment. We just say, like, thank you for the information. We're going to take it. You know, and you get a diagnosis and it doesn't stop there, right? You then have to get, like... All the tests, all the CAT scans, the PETs. Like it, she's going to need all the information. Yeah. So she's not going to get a diagnosis, and everyone, the healthcare team's not going to go. Okay, go home and do what you want. Right. Yeah. Like there's still that follow up. Healthcare yeah. teams are not going to abandon you. Yeah. Because you did not choose treatment. Right. We can't. Yeah. We don't want to. We will be with you on your journey, and the family. I think. Um, 
these both both these individuals are going to have to be incredibly brave, right? They're facing mm-hmm. both their fears. Um, yeah. But I think you can find a, a compromise for both, and they can work through this together. Illness can bring individuals closer mm-hmm. together. Uh, that's the positives here. They can help each other. It can also create stress in many ways yeah. and be a negative uh, for relationships that I've seen. But on the, for, the fos- for the most part, it provides opportunity for people to get closer. Mm-hmm. And I think individual therapy could be good for both, but also family therapy, right? Yeah. Going to a family therapist that can have this conversation, the systemic view, and say, how can we have this really hard conversation? Because you're, you're even dealing with two different generations, right? The way the 21 views the world is definitely not the way the 60-year-old views the yeah. world. And like, what other things in your life and in your relationship have happened where maybe you guys have negotiated something serious and it was okay? And if this is the decision and mom is deciding not to, just being able to hear her daughter out or make time or get through, you know, arguments they've had and just kind of like really learn how to talk to each other because most people don't. I mean, I'm a therapist and like, I still didn't know what to do and how to talk, right? Like I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, all right, we're, we're on this ride and Mm -hmm. it's going to end. And like, what is that going to look like? Right. We're all on a journey here and we're trying to get through it as best as possible with the people around us. I sort of like that as a (laughs) natural ending point. Um, Okay. Uh, for reference for you, Dr. Kearney, every episode, or we try to do it every, I think we've done it every one so far. Um, we do a little TLDR of our own. She included one here. It's uh, um, too long, didn't read. So mm. if someone were to just kind of scroll down to the end of her post or fast forward to the end of our episode, which I always say they shouldn't, but if they do. Yep. Um, Great. A good kind of synopsis maybe would be be try to be uh, accepting and at least open to what your family and loved ones wishes are and uh, get a healthcare proxy and and information so you can be informed about it but yeah I validate her feelings Mm -hmm. explore her feelings and reasons behind it to understand and get a healthcare proxy. <laughs> and I think it's that the caregiver can also, you know, call the doctor, ask questions, yes. reach out, right? Like, I went with my dad to every appointment, and the doctor spent more time, the first 10 minutes, one calming me down and then talking to me, mm-hmm. rather than my, because my dad's like, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do, right? Like, <laughs> But knowing that the patient itself is not the only one that can ask questions, that can reach out to the doctor, that, you know, I think that team dynamic, right, of like patient, caregiver, and the medical team is really important. Very important. Yes. Good point. I've had individuals, family members, write their thoughts on a piece of paper, put in an envelope, please read this before you go in. Mm. Out of respect to, and uh, and then I'll always ask the patient, may I talk to your daughter? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, just separately so they can be more free to talk uh, without causing fear of their loved one. Help but guide yeah. your questions, right? Yeah. Of like, oh, well, how was this then? And them not knowing that you know they struggled with that from the last appointment. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Well, 
Thank you, ladies. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. 